Hi everyone, welcome back to your soon to be favorite podcast. I'm Angelica. And I'm Kelsey. And this is Here We Grow. So, all right. Hey, besties. Hey, besties. We're back. This is Here We Grow podcast with Angelica and Kelsey, in case you forgot, because it's been a while. Yeah. We're uh, back. But yeah, so today's a very special episode. We have our first guest, Brian. Brian. Thank you guys so much for having me here. I'm really excited. I've been looking forward to this all week. And here we are. <laughs> How does it feel being our first guest? It feels honorable. Like, I thank you guys for choosing me of all people that you guys could have chose. Well, you chose us, kind of. We just put it out there and you were like, me. Yeah. We were hoping. We were actually hoping. We had a few people in mind that we thought would be good for it. And you were one of the people we were hoping would respond. Yeah. And literally, you were like, it's me. I'm going to be the one. (laughs) Yes. I I saw immigrant, first generation, sign me up. (laughs) Well, this, this episode topic was technically your idea. So we're like, I mean, it probably should be him if it's his yeah. idea. We just didn't know if he wanted to talk about it. Yeah. Or just wanted to hear us talk about it. Yeah. No, guys, I just want to hear you talk about it for an hour and a half, please. I'll just remain silent over here in my little <laughs> corner. Well, y'all are going to talk about it for an hour. <laughs> no, I'll be in on it a little bit. Brian brought us a game to play, so we're going we're gonna to do that first. And then we're going to get into the topic, which is... What is it again? <laughs> Uh, so, so I've been struggling with the wording on this, but I think yeah. I came up with first first generation American uh, child of immigrant child of parents. immigrant parents. Yeah, yeah I think that's really that good. Sounds... I think that kind of encompasses what we are, and you know, mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds perfect. It's it's a very good uh, wording. I mean, we are children of immigrants. Uh, we're in the country of the states, you know, so it's appropriate. Yeah, yeah. I listened to a podcast. Sorry. I was like, did something die? <laughs> it was my phone, sorry. Uh, I listened to a podcast to prepare. I, that's usually what I do is listen to podcasts to prepare to like get myself mm. in the mindset of it. Right. And, you know, I feel like I needed that even though I grew up with Angelica in her household more than in my own household. Um, but I want to shout out that podcast. Um, it was called Your Latina Hermana. And she's actually really sweet. She talks about all kinds of things. Like she was really parentified um, as like the first kid in her family and had to take care of her brothers and stuff. And, and her story is really cool, but she's really sweet. She really cares about our listeners and stuff. So go check her out. Absolutely. I just want to shout out. I just want to say that I, I almost never prepared for the podcast. I just kind of come and, uh... but sometimes it's better that way. Like if I bring the questions, I want yeah. her to ask, I want her to answer them off the dump. Like, yeah. cause then it's more authentic. No, for sure. You have like the firsthand reaction, you know, you're, you're doing yeah. it off the dome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, this, um, this game, um, is influenced by a couple of things. So, um, and it's not just Spanish speaking communities. Um, there's African communities, European communities, lots yep. of communities of immigrants here. I've been blessed <laughs> to meet so many individuals from around the world, from Russia to Zambia to Argentina, and they all even though we don't speak the same language, hopefully with this podcast, we can kind of talk and bond over the shared experiences yeah. of this. Now, this mm-hmm. game um, is more in referred to um, 
we don't as children always choose where we're going to end up in the United States. And a lot of Americanisms um, vary in regions. So for me, example, um, I was born in California. So a lot of the wordings, a lot of the things that I've learned in English are Californian based. I forgot um, you were born in California. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, so I was actually this thinking game... <laughs> about that before I came today. And I was like, "How oh, do you think Brian's from Indiana?" No, so that makes sense. A lot of the Midwestern things that I've learned, I've either picked up just recently, or you know, words that I never really thought about until here I am. You know, um, okay, but cool. uh, you are way this... too cool for Indiana. So that makes, <laughs> that makes sense. That makes no, sense. no, don't. Everybody's don't too cool for Indiana. <laughs> oh. This game, I encourage listeners to also play along with us because they may also have words that we may have not come up with when it comes to these phrases. Yeah. So please, if you are listening, um, give us a shout out. Um, let us know if we are calling something wrong or if you say something a little different. So yeah. one of let's... our like one of our best listeners, like our our fans is in California mm-hmm. right now. She's from California. Sweet. So, so she'll be able to vouch for some of these things. Shout out, Zoe. <laughs> Um, so this game will be played, um, with all three of us, actually. I think it would be best if we do it as well. So, um, here it goes. We can do Kelsey first, Angelica for the next question, and then myself as the first answer, and then we'll chime in. So how do you, Kelsey, how do you address a group of two or more people? Y'all. (laughs) Y'all. Y'all. Angelica? I do say y'all, and I don't think y'all is even an Indiana thing because it's really supposed to be like a Southern thing. But I think like maybe in the last decade, it's like crept up to Indiana because I know a lot of people who say y'all, but I've said that for a long time, probably since high school. Um, I also asked Travis these questions before we came. So if he had a funny answer, I'll tell you what he said. Oh, sweet. But he also I said y'all. Wait. <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> Angelica, how about you? I would just be like, hey, guys. Yeah, you do say, hey, guys. Yeah. yeah. I say you guys. And that has gotten me in trouble sometimes when, especially when addressing two ladies, it's just a reflex. Oh, yeah. It's just a reflex. It is not me. even. Yeah. But it's just a reflex. <laughs> yeah, I'm always yeah, like, guys, guys. Is so, guys is so like, like, I don't know, transferable. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So Angelica. This next one's for you. Um, do you call a sweet spread that is put on a cake frosting or icing? Ooh. Ooh. Icing. Ooh. Icing. <laughs> icing? Yeah, yeah icing. I say icing. I say icing, too. Yes, to me, frosting is, like, thinner, like, uh, what you would make with milk and powdered sugar. Like, mm. a thin, like frosting <laughs> it frosts whatever you're eating <laughs> frosts frosting this next one is going to be controversial are you ready for controversy i know which one this is <laughs> now i have debates with my fellow midwesterners all the time mm-hmm. and i refuse to to switch my position what do you call an insect that flies around in the summer and glows in the dark it is a firefly i will die Lightning on this bug. rock what do you call it firefly yes. a lightning bug, lightning that's, bug basic. Yeah. that song is called what kelsey firefly Fireflies. yeah well he's probably from california <laughs> true true 
I never even realized that that people call it differently. Lightning bug, yeah, lightning fireflies. Bug. I, I know that some bugs. people. There's not yeah. very many of them left. I don't know if they're like going extinct or what. Yeah, what did happen to that in Indiana? I have not seen a lot actually. Well, I don't Are know if it's hiding? just an Indiana thing or if it's all over. Like maybe they are just not here anymore and they're in other states. Oh. But yeah, I, I saw one the other day, but just one. I don't blame the fireflies for leaving Indiana to move to another yeah. state. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, true. Good for you guys. <laughs> yes, queens. <laughs> Get out of Indiana. All right. The next one is um, how do you pronounce? All right. So how do you pronounce this word? It is spelled B-E-E-N. Ben. Yeah, I didn't understand this one either. Do you pronounce it differently? I ben? pronounce it Ben. I pronounce it Ben, but I've also heard people say Bean, like how you Bean or Bean. Yeah, how oh, you Bean. Oh, like with an accent. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I could, I could see it being used like. Where, where have you Bean? Where have Spell you been? B e e n. Ben. Ben. Yeah. Why are you guys yeah, saying Ben? Oh, you're saying oh, Ben. Wait, it's yeah. No, it's Ben. Y'all just saying it like B I N. Wait, hang on. Where have you been? Where have you Where been? Where have you been? Oh, Where have you wow. been? B-I-N. See? And then other... Yep, there you go. Where have you been? Wait, so Brian, are you saying it B-I-N like Angelica? No, Ben as in like no. B-E-N. Okay, ben. Like, where have you been? Yeah, where have you been? Like, when, Ben? Yeah. <laughs> I'm questioning all of my conversations. We, we just broke Angelica. What the fuck? <laughs> She's having a midlife crisis now. Where to go? <laughs> Hang on, we gotta rewatch. We gotta rewatch Twilight in the scene where Jacob's like, "Where have you been, Loka? <laughs> Bella, oh, yeah. where you been, Loka? Do you think vampires have a dialect? I'm just kidding. That's off topic. Oh, for sure. I mean, they've been alive <laughs> just for said, years. When you just said it, you said Ben. No, I said Ben. No, you said Ben. Where have you been? Did you hear her? She said, "Where have you been? <laughs> where have you been? God damn it! Now I'm second guessing everything in my life." <laughs> oh no right um this next one is also a how do you pronounce okay. how do you pronounce this word a-u-n-t aunt I okay mean, aunt aunt, aunt. <laughs> you say aunt. no i mean aunt yeah well it it's... depends if we're referring to a family member it's aunt no that's wrong <laughs> what <laughs> no. i never refer to them as aunt it's always aunt so i say aunt if i'm using it like in their name like aunt tracy but if I'm like, oh, how's your aunt? I say aunt. And I think that comes from people telling me that I say it funny, like it's supposed to be aunt. And so then when I'm using it with other people, I feel the need to say aunt. My aunt, my aunt. My aunt. And Travis is like, I say auntie. Auntie, <laughs> yes. <laughs> How do you say it, Brian? You say aunt? Aunt, yeah, aunt. Really? Aunt. Yeah, my aunt. It sounds worse, at, like, the more you say it. Aunt, aunt, aunt. <laughs> aunt, aunt, aunt. <laughs> boing, boing, <laughs> All right. And then the very, very last one. Now, this one is going to be, uh, the California listener is going to back me on this one. Um, what do you call a road in which you go fast on and you use a ramp to get off? Interstate. Angelica. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what do I say? You call it. Okay, I, oh, this is gonna sound so stupid. <laughs> I always thought a highway is a ramp where you speed up and get off, you know, what you just described. Like the ramp itself? Right. 
Well, n- yes, sure. But an interstate actually goes between states. <laughs> I mean, states. you have a point. Like, you if you're point? within Indiana and you're on a... It's a highway. It's not an interstate because you're not going interstates. Yeah. I mean, you have a point there. That is very valid. <laughs> what did you say? What was your answer, so, Brian? I call it a freeway. And freeway! Reason, um, we call yeah, it freeway out west. Yeah, not freeway here, though. But I'm going to go ahead and blow your guys' mind. If you guys have ever been to North Indy um, on I-69, when you are exiting towards Binford, I want you guys to pay attention to what that sign says. It says freeway ends. It does. I know what you're talking about. You lost me at 69. But is there just a difference between what a freeway and a highway is? No, I think it's just uh, how people pronounce it and how people say it. Okay, okay. I just looked up the difference between highway and interstate. Highway refers to a major roadway, especially one that goes between towns or cities. Interstate refers to a type of highway that stretches between states. Oh, yeah, I was right. So if it goes over multiple states, like 65, it's an interstate. But 465 would be a highway. Oh. Brian, take back your disappointment. (laughs) No. No, it's still freeway. (laughs) But yeah, that was the... I knew it. I freaking knew it. That was the fun um, English one. I hope uh, also the listeners were enjoying. And uh, also, if you say anything different, um, please sound off. Let us know. Okay. Okay. So for the one that you... Are you doing the one for Angelica next? Yeah. Um. If you don't... So the next one, if you don't mind um, listing off the um, the items in English, so that that way we can say it in Spanish. Now, yes. the next one is um, more in retrospect to the way that immigrant communities have influenced our parents for where they come from. So for Angelica, their par- her parents come from Mexico. Uh, my parents come from El Salvador. Um, there has been not just Spanish and native influence in our language, but also um, in Mexico, there has been Eastern European influences in there. And it's mm-hmm. predominant in the music, um, especially what's the what's the music where you bounce up and down? It's like Durangin, is it? Yeah, we yeah, bounce yeah. in all of our songs, okay? <laughs> okay, okay, my bad. But yes, Duragente. Yeah, it's uh, polka. You guys like, bounce too at Punta. Uh, yeah, Hondurans, but yeah, you, oh. you got a point there. Yeah, got sorry, <laughs> just getting canceled. <laughs> what's your um? What's your like predominant music? Um, over there, it's like hip hop, um, cumbia, salsa, things like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. reggaeton, etc. Really? Yeah, <clears throat> but um. This one, yeah, for El Salvador, it's a little more interesting. Um, not more interesting than the the Mexican. It's just it's something that's even more far fetched than Eastern European. Um, they we have influences of Palestinian, with Palestinian refugees that came over, and it's also yeah. um, known with that with the president, the current president, who is of Palestinian um, descent, um, immigrants or a child of immigrants of Palestine. So. <laughs> Um, the words that Kelsey will list off, we will just um, say what they are in Spanish and we'll compare. So I also, plot twist, looked up the Google Translate version of these words. just in to Spanish? Co- yes, in Spanish. Just to compare what like the Spain, because I'm sure it's derivative of Spain, yeah. version mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. But, okay. Q-tip. All right. Angelica? Cotonete. <laughs> Isopo. Sopo. Isopo. Isopo. 
Does that mean anything to you? Nothing. Does that mean anything to you? Nothing to me. It's pisopo in the Spain Spanish. Mm -hmm. So closer to Mm Brian. Okay, blanket. Gobija. Gobija, yeah, yeah. Similarities. (laughs) This one says frazada. Frazada. Ah, nothing. uh, Nothing. Yeah, heard of that one. (laughs) No. And Brian's like, ah. Uh, <laughs> well, we all know Google Translate's not always 100% accurate. Yeah. Um, dirty. Sucio. Chuco. Chuco. Google Translate mm-hmm. says sucio. Sucio. Oh, man. <laughs> um, kids. Niños. Cipotes. <laughs> what? Yeah, cipotes. Vení cipote. Wow. I feel like if yeah. Angelica was listening to your family talk, she would not understand well, anything. I've, yeah, yes I've been in your no. household. I'm just like, the fuck are they yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they use, we use, um, in El Salvador, we use voceos a lot, um, similar yeah. to how Argentina, they'd say, hey, vos vení para acá. And, yeah. and it's conjugated a little differently, too. Yeah. So is it the same way for you, Brian? Like, if you were in Angelica's household, would you be able to understand what they're saying, or it's hard for you, too? No, I would definitely, most definitely. Um, I would best compare, if this makes any sense, I would best compare Mexican Spanish to how Canadians speak. There will be just maybe one or two words that sound a little different, but generally you can you can understand it. Um, mm-hmm. I would compare Caribbean people with the way that, um, you know, uh, it's that's a rough comparison. I would say Argentinians are more like if a New Zealander comes up and starts talking to you. It's like mm-hmm. there are some words there, but oh my <laughs> god, what is happening right now? You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. Okay, so the next one is dog, perro, chucho, 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 chucho. Chucho sounds cuter. <laughs> yeah. Chucho also sounds like a name. Yeah. Like yeah. you could name your dog Chucho. Yeah. Well, it, it is a nickname too in El Salvador. Like uh, Salvadorians love nicknaming objects to people for some reason. <laughs> a dog? A dog is not an object. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like, oh, Chucho, any? <laughs> so. Aww, what does Google say? Pero. Oh. Yeah. Uh, police. Policia. Chota. All these ch- ch- Lots words. Lots of ch- you're just, sure. in, his, in, you're just yeah. in his house hearing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of Mayan um, Udo Aztec influence in there. They use a lot of ch, like chocolate, things like that. Oh. So a lot of ch in there. Uh, it's policia on translate. Uh, ice cream. Nieve. Sorbete. Oh, sorbete. That's mm-hmm. nice. Like sorbet. <laughs> sorbete. Sorbete. <laughs> right, I'm next to you. So. Sorbete. <laughs> it's in my blood. Oh, sorbete. <laughs> so when I was looking up the list and I went to go look, because I just copied and pasted the whole list in Google yeah. Translate, I accidentally skipped to the next one. And, well, I'll wait till after we do the next one so I don't give it away, but... <laughs> I was like, that's not the word for that. Anyway, Google Translate says helado. Oh, oh yeah, I've heard wow. it. We use helado. Oh, what did you say? Nieve. But uh, we, we sometimes use helado, too. Helado. I've heard helado. Yeah. Helado. Uh, curly hair. Pelo chino. Colocho. Colocho. Pelo rizado. Mm. rizado. I've heard rizado, too. That would be like too, frizzy, yeah. wouldn't it? 
That sounds kind of like, like, like wavy curly. Mm-hmm. So you can see why when I read that thinking it said ice cream because it was two words. Yeah. I was like, halo means hair. That did not yeah. be ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I know means hair. <laughs> um, okay, the next one is dude. Dude? You would just say dude, wouldn't you? Well, no. I I don't I've never said dude in Spanish, so I don't know. It's a, it's a very common uh phrase that starts with a G. G? G U E Y. Like way? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought it could be. But since I'm not I don't say that, it's not in my vocabulary. Well, and if you did, um, you would just say dude and then continue in Spanish, right? Like oi. <laughs> hey. <laughs> H <H-tribini. laughs> That that is something that's a shared experience. Spanish okay, people love going. It's a shared experience for Spanish people. We don't we don't go uh, like we use our like mouths too. We'll go like h right? Yeah, like h. Oh my god, yeah, I say yeah. h all yep. the time. Yep. This is so fascinating. <laughs> so on one of the episodes, Angelica was talking about her coworker asking her a question, and she was eating. So she responded yes, like this. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I go like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, she was that? like, "What is this?" We and I was can. Like, oh, sorry. That means yes. Yeah. We can do that. Um, it it's very it like it, there's a show. Um, I don't remember. It's a it's Mexican Chavo show. That's it. That's where it comes from. Yep. That's where it comes from. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Wait. How do you say, dude? Uh, maje. Who? Maje. Maje. Yeah, maje. Oye, maje. Oye, maje. Vas a venir a la casa. So cool. Uh, Eng- so Google Translate says durar. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? What is that? <laughs> to dude. It's a verb. Okay. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. It's a verb. Durar? Wait. To, durar to is like to doubt. To, to doubt, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just goes to show that Google Translate, Google Translate not always... Google Translate on that one. Not yeah. always right. Yeah. So another thing before we go any further... Uh, one of the things that one of the podcasts, not the one I shouted out, but another one of the podcasts I was listening to talked about how there's not an exact translation for the word boundaries. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Nope. Mm-hmm. There's like other words that are similar to it, but there's mm-hmm. not an exact translation for boundaries. So when adult children are trying to have good relationships with their parents as adults, it's harder for them to explain that they need to set boundaries because there's no exact translation to it. And that goes into one of the topics that we would definitely hit on um, where it comes to differences between Americanisms in as far as boundaries and Hispanic populations where there is no such thing as a boundary. No, it's like community and yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's something in my, that I wrote in my notes. Oh, so yeah. do you want to jump definitely. right into it since we're already here? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to the questions. Absol- absolutely. Okay. So, did you ask your mom this question? I did not. <laughs> I did not. Did you talk I to your parents not. about that question? Yes, I did, ma'am. Okay, I so why don't you go ahead and answer it. that. Do you feel lonely or unheard living in a predominantly English-speaking place? Yeah, most definitely. Um, he talked a little bit about how in California he felt a little more safe. There are abundance of Spanish speakers. Um, He didn't necessarily need to rely on English. However, where the loneliness and the more anxiety and the instability of what he's going to do 
uh, it came from Indiana, where at the time when we came to Indiana, there was not much established community of, of Spanish speakers. Um, you had to go to work and you had to finger point, get trained on the most words that you can figure out. So he did felt a little lonely, a little unheard, unsure of what to do here mm-hmm. in Indiana. Has your mom ever talked about that? Mm, no. Well, I feel like very similar to what you said about your dad. Like my parents being from Chicago, there was a huge population of Spanish speakers everywhere, all around them. So like you almost didn't need English to get by because there was, you know, you can, there was a Spanish speaker there. But yeah, kind of similar thing to them coming to Indiana. I mean, it was a huge, huge difference. But I still feel like my parents... I'm sure they felt lonely and unsure sometimes, but I don't know. I feel like they, my mom's always been the kind of person, like she will fight somebody for $5 at the store. Like it doesn't matter. She's always told me, like, I don't care that I don't know how to speak English. They're going to understand me one way or another. And my mom's always been like that. She's always been like, I don't care. Like language is not going to stop me from getting what I need to get done. Yeah. Um, so I just realized we didn't even like introduce how we know you or anything. So let's go back a little <laughs> we bit. Said we just, wow. We're just like, diving into, into the conversation. <laughs> this is Brian. You don't know Brian. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> some of you guys might know Brian because we know him from high school. Yeah. And there's people mm-hmm. from high school that listen to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were in the band and we, and we've never told our listeners this, but we were in color guard. So we were a part of the band in a way. And so much. We no, met through mutual, mutual groups, yeah, mutual yeah, friends. So yeah, so, like, yeah. my sister was dating this guy named Joseph, and Joseph was your best friend. Yeah. And, yeah. Shout out to yeah. Joseph. <laughs> of course. Absolutely. <laughs> um, And what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, lots of, like, time after school. We never talked about this in the pod either. Like, we went to Broderpool High School, so we were in Broderpool Village every day after every school. Day. Every day. Chilling from like four to nine, and Brian was a grade above me, and then Angelica's two grades below me. So for a long time, Brian was the only one with a car. (laughs) (laughs) So we were like hitching rides, going to Taco Bell. We didn't want to walk to Taco Bell because it was the only restaurant that was too far. Yeah, but we were tired of McDonald's, so we had to go to Taco Bell. Good time. Absolutely. Good time. Lots, lots of times after school for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So back to the topic. Let's go back a little bit though in the top, within the topic where I'm just mm-hmm. going to draw a map on the screen. Um, talk about both of you talk about what specific area your parents are from within their countries <laughs> and then what made them move to the United States. All right, Angelica, take off. Okay. So my parents are from Zacatecas. Uh, it's, it's a state that's kind of like dead in the middle of Mexico. Um, I'm going to post a map with the episode. Post. Yeah. So they're from Atolinga, Zacatecas. That's where they're from. My dad started coming here to the United States. I think when he was like 15 or 16, I mean, cause back then it was just so easy to cross the border. Like you could just walk like it, it was no big deal like how it is today. It really is that simple. You go for a few months, you you work, and then you bring it back to your family or, you know, whatever you want to do. So he would do that probably from, like, age 15 to, like, early 20s, just would travel back and forth. Um, my aunt had a house in Chicago, so he would stay with her or he would stay with another brother that was kind of already established there. 
That's um, quite the trek from the border to mm-hmm. Chicago. Like, literally the entire they country. Said, let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, even before my dad, too, like, my grandpa was doing that. Like, my grandpa was going to California, like, Texas all the time, back and forth, literally, just to get work. And I think from word of mouth, you just hear, like, oh, come to Chicago. There's a great population there. There's all these resources for you. And then eventually come to Indiana to Indianapolis because it's just cheaper than you know chicago obviously so that was their their pull to moving to indianapolis because it was cheaper than illinois yes illinois Illinois. (laughs) yeah and then once he got married to my mom uh then tried to bring her over there were a couple times where she couldn't come over for you know whatever reason but uh they made it through they came and yeah did they have maria before they got married no no, you went along with Mom had her first kiss on her wedding day. <laughs> oh man! I don't laugh. I'm not, I'm not the way you just brought that out to like. He had her first kiss on her wedding day. Wait, do you think she was popping out babies? Well, the reason I asked is because we always joke that Maria was made in Mexico. She was made in Mexico. Mm. So my that's mom, why I asked. My mom was like six or seven months pregnant when she came to the United States. Mm-hmm. So yes, Maria was made in Mexico. <laughs> All right, Brian, now you go. <laughs> right, so. <laughs> Uh, my dad is from El Salvador. He's from a small mountainous uh, town called San Juan Las Minas. It's in the department of Metapan. It's on the northwestern part of El Salvador. And my mom is from La Capital, uh, San Salvador. Um, she, um, There's a little town. Uh, there's like little uh, neighborhoods, if you will. Um, I don't know what quite the, ta- the town or the neighborhood You've is. You've never been? From... I have not, no. <laughs> but, Do you um, want to yeah, Eventually, yeah, for sure. Um, it uh, she's from the capital. So what made the move was the Salvadoran civil war. Um, there is a, a state of turmoil where a lot of shit was happening, and so um, even though the war ended in 1992, that still didn't mean that the consequences were essentially done which caused a mass exodus of Salvadorans to come to the United States. So they, along with millions, came up to the United States to seek a better life. Um, Both my parents ended up in San Francisco, California, uh, where me and my brother were raised. And then we moved out to Indiana because our house caught fire and it was easier to just get a home here than it is to rebuild or do anything in San Francisco. Well, it's definitely cheaper in Indiana than California, mm-hmm. if anything. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it, you just have one brother. I never knew your sibling. Well, I actually have more than one brother. Um, I have a younger brother who was born in the in the U.S., um, and then I have three older siblings who were both, or who all three were born in El Salvador. I have two older brothers and a sister. Oh wow! Okay, are they still over there? No, they they came up here alongside my fam- my family um, at different times, of course, because it's not cheap, especially in El Salvador. It is not cheap to come up here, even now more than ever. Um, it's more dangerous now, but yeah. um, it is not cheap. So you have to go in spurts. You can't all just come at once. Hmm. Dang. And they're in Indiana now, too. No, my uh, my oldest brother, he is married in Minnesota. And then my Minnesota, um, yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Minnesota. Um, with him, it's like factory work, you know, that Midwest factory work. Like, he's Minnesota up there. accent, no, 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 nah. <laughs> he still he speaks like he is fresh from uh San Francisco, though, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 
Um, and then my older sister and my older brother all live in the Bay Area. So in San Francisco, they're still okay. there as well. Nice. So your younger brother is the only one that's here with you? Yes. And he lives in Indiana as well. So um, How much younger current, is he than you? He's about four years younger than I am. Um, he is currently actually, believe it or not, with his wife and his um and his daughter in Scotland at the moment. Uh, he's doing what? a UK. He's doing a UK trip with his uh, with his uh, wife's family right now. That's cool. That's so awesome. So, do you feel like a middle child, or do you feel like an older child? It's <clears throat> it's a different experience because um, I feel both in the sense that um, my my older siblings are mature. They they graduated. They have families. They're on it. Um, even when they came at a young age as teenagers, they were able to get their grind on um, through different paths, paths, of course, mm -hmm. but they speak English really well. They have assimilated fine. Um, in the other sense, with my younger brother, I, I feel eldest there because we are at, at an age group that's closer. Mm -hmm. um, and therefore, we both have kind of shared the same experience of being in California, coming to Indiana. Um, even more stranger for me is I, because I'm the oldest of the two, I was more relied on with um, interpreting, um, going to doctor's appointments, uh, figuring out how to do taxes at the age of 12, for example. Yeah. Um, I was relied for everything. And looking back at it now, I'm like, you know, mom, I was 12. What do I look like about knowing what an affidavit is? You know what I mean? So yeah. It's it's crazy. I just learned what an affidavit was like two years ago. There you go. See, it is it is crazy, but it is necessary. And I know that that is a shared experience, especially with someone that's considered the older sibling or I want to say the older of the generations, even mm -hmm. if you have siblings that were born. It is a shared experience. You are relied on to push through school. They didn't bring you here or they didn't come to this country for you to not finish school. Um, you must know how to translate back and forth, um, you know, figure it out. You know, mm -hmm. I got you Internet for this reason. That kind I of got thing. you Internet. <laughs> yes. Um, like going back to what you said about taxes, like even like you said, going to doctor's appointments and then having you like you don't even know the words in English these medical terms mm -hmm. and having to translate that in Spanish, you're like, well, I don't know what the fuck that is. Like, mm -hmm. how am I supposed to, or if it's like, God forbid, delicate news that you have to deliver to your, mm -hmm. you know, your loved one. It's like, how do I say this? Oh, I just can't imagine. Thankfully, I've never been in that position, but of course, some people have. Yeah, I don't even know how I was able to do it. I mean, we just push through it. And if not, we point at things and we yeah, figure it out, I, you know? Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, well, so the difference is that you're closer to Maria's age than you are to the twins because mm -hmm. you and the twins are four, four years. years apart, but that's the same for him and his younger brother, but you and your older sibling is closer. So but I also feel like because Alex and Jerry had each other to rely on, so they were a lot closer. So then just left me and my sister. Mm -hmm. Not that, not that it left us, but you know what I mean? Like we well, were the girls, they were the boys. Yeah. And we've talked about before how you being close to Maria's age contributed to us, to you eventually being in our friend group. So like we wouldn't be friends if you were so, if you weren't so close to Maria's age, mm -hmm. I don't think. Um, do you feel like the responsibility he was talking about like laid on you just as much as Maria or? No, I, well, I, <laughs> I, um, 
I actually didn't realize how much pressure and expectation was on Maria because I never had to think about it because she's the older sibling. She's the one taking care of everything, right? And I didn't really start to notice it until she moved out of the house and then things fell on me. And I'm like, well, can't you call Maria to do this? Can't you like talk to her and do this? They're like, no, like you're up, like you step up or whatever. Yeah. And I never truly realized, you know, I did some translating, of course, but it was always my sister. Even my aunts and uncles, they would call my sister. And then it got to a point where I was even offended. Like, I can translate. I can go with you. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah, for sure. Like, I'm sure, you know, Maria had a bunch of shit ton of pressures. Being the firstborn, being, you know, the oldest. She knew a little bit more than I did. So, yeah. yeah. No, for sure. Being the first uh, American born, it's that societal pressure. Um, I also felt that my brother had a lot of the shared experiences that you, Angelica, have because um, it's not that I cut them off per se, but I wasn't uh, first and readily available for everything. And so then it fell to my brother. And, you know, so he definitely shares that sentiment for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm. At first, even as a kid, you're like, I don't want to translate or you don't want to be that person or that kid that's different or that whose parents don't understand. Like you kind of almost wear it shamefully. Like I wasn't proud to be and I'm shameful of that. I'm shameful that I wasn't proud to be Hispanic or Spanish speaking when I was a kid. I hate that about myself. I look back and I'm like, wow, I was such a dipshit. Because, you know, I didn't want to translate or I don't want to be there for my parents or I don't want to seem different. I didn't want to speak the language. But do you feel it was like an embarrassment? Like you felt embarrassed that your parents didn't know English and so you had to translate for them? Yes, both. Another thing I was going to mention, something that Brian said sparked it was um, one of the podcasts I listened to. She said that um, there was a lot of like guilt involved in making sure you're getting everything right. And like, Mm. like pressure like you said like there's pressure to make sure you get everything right and if you don't you're going to mess something up and then it's on you and as a kid you don't understand that it's really not supposed to be on you and but you still internalize that most definitely um i have had the pressure of graduating um trying to be on my p's and q's on top of not only just being a son but being an older brother uh being a family member to a, a group here in Indiana. I've been fortunate to also have cousins as well um, come up through the ranks and you guys have actually met a few of my cousins as well. So um, there once, because I was the eldest even of my cousins, like Angelica said, aunts, uncles coming through, everyone coming through, come do my taxes. Here, I bought TurboTax, figure Mm -hmm. it out, you know? So it's pressure. I would like to say though, although my parents have never verbalized the pressure they've never been like you need to finish school you need to go and do this like i didn't come to this country for you to be a nobody like my parents specifically never did that but i just there was like this unspoken you know like um what's the word yes like an unspoken expectation and i don't know if i heard it somewhere or maybe like through movies growing up and i'd seen that that i'm like wow like I know the importance of my parents' sacrifice and therefore, like, I have to be somebody. I have to do this. Like, I just, I, there is no, failure is not an option. I can't, I can't just not do it. And like, I almost think back and be like, 
You know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be like, I don't know, a talk show host or something. Mm. But that wasn't reasonable and it wasn't like necessarily attainable or easily to get to. So I had to take the safe route and that was education. You get what I'm saying? Like you can't really follow your dreams or what you specifically necessarily want to do. I mean, you could, I guess, but it's not the safest option. Uh, A lot of the tension between my parents and I came from um, the fact that I didn't feel American enough um, because, for example, I would have a group of friends and I would want to go spend the night at their house. Um, But in Salvadorian culture, and I'm sure Angelica can relate, um, it's it's more like, no, you can't spend the night at their house, but why can't they come here? Exactly. I mean. You have a bed, like yeah. here, have and a them lot of the here. yeah, a lot of the tension that sparked with that pressure of being the eldest came from that. I I wanted to have a sense of individualism, which it was which clashed with the way that the culture of El Salvador worked, and it created a lot of tension, especially since I was the eldest, especially since I was heavily relied on. I wanted to kind of have a life at a certain and be a little standoffish, which sounds like a like a jerk, sounds like a dick, but it's just the clash of culture right there. Mm-hmm. For sure. I want to go back to what you said a little bit, because um, again, one of the podcasts I listened to, they talked about how like in Hispanic culture, specifically when you're, when you're an immigrant and you have children, the focus is on success and not on passion. Who cares about your passion? Success is the number one priority. And that kind of goes back to what you were saying. Yeah. Um, also, you said that you brought up talk show host. I know you laughed. I was like, bitch. Because <laughs> we're a talk show host right now. I know. Yeah. So <laughs> look at you. I, laughed. I was like, does she know we're talking about? I'm living about? my dream. <laughs> Mama, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> Mama made it. <laughs> no, but for real, like, I remember, I don't know how to explain this, but like, you know what I mean? Like, hobbies weren't a thing. Like, having your grades well and looking into colleges and like i said even though my parents never necessarily said that it it just oh and don't even get me started on comparison of other hispanic kids and other first generation like Mm -hmm. okay you see your cousin right she's a lawyer what are you gonna Mm -hmm. do like what can i brag about you to Mm -hmm. when i go over there like what can i brag about you and it's almost like well shit like i can't fuck up I can't do drugs. I can't ever go to jail. I can't ever have a huge scandal or be a human because I have to be perfect. Yeah. And this conversation also is for the parents, too. I think a lot of the times as Spanish, and this is could be for most immigrant um, communities, too. They don't say that they're proud of you enough. And that's <gasps> just kind of like a like a, a thing that's embedded in that. Um, sometimes it's nice to hear that. Um, however, yes. they, it, and there's trauma with it too. And there's just generational trauma with it. Yeah, as my well, daddy but, never told me he was mm-hmm. proud of me. My dad never told mm-hmm. me he loved me. I don't give but a shit. Look how you e- turned out. Like, yeah, even mm-hmm. that little spark will help. And I, I hope that if someone, if a, if a, if an immigrant um, is listening to this podcast and they're raising their child as first generation be proud of the little things that they do i know it sounds silly for wherever you were coming from but be proud of them for who they are because that that'll go a longer way than the pressure well yeah like Um, my parents would say like you think i'm not proud of you like of course i'm proud of you okay then say it yeah like it's important to say it just say it 
Oh yeah. Um, I want to also uh, bring up another uh, thing and Angelica could also chime in on this. Um, another point of tension. And by the way, my parents raised me the best that they could. I, I'm going to acknowledge <laughs> that. Like, disclaimer. They, they, no disclaimer. They did their best. Like yeah, they absolutely. had, they had a rough, rough childhood at the age of 16, 17. They had to go through a civil war. Your brain's not even developed and you're seeing like dead people on the street. You know what I mean? Yeah. And no, so yeah, sure. they had it rough. Um, however, um, don't, that doesn't take away from the clash of cultures. Um, another class of cultures point of contention is my favorite holidays now as an adult are believe it or not, Halloween and new year's Eve. And it was because as a child, I never got to celebrate those holidays. Um, a little backstory on this. My mom is super duper religious and my dad is what you would consider a convenient Catholic. And so <laughs> therefore, <laughs> <laughs> well, therefore, um, he was a lot more lenient with it, but my mom was not. Um, Halloween, you would think that Satan himself arose from the dead and came to take over the world. So yeah. I was never allowed to go trick-or-treating, never allowed to dress up. And it shows in my adulthood of why I look forward to those because I never got to experience that. Mm -hmm. However, the holidays like Thanksgiving, we had no cultural ties to that. We my parents don't even understand it. They call it Turkey Day, for example. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and what they make is they make classical Salvadorian dishes and have a day off. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, you guys don't make turkey uh, for Thanksgiving either. Yeah. Um, and Christmas and, um, you know, New Year specifically um, are, are more embedded in religion and in Spanish culture yep. because you have to praise Jesus. You have to, Christmas is about Jesus. New Year's is about New Year to Jesus. So I never got that experience. That's why I really like those holidays as an adult because I never got to experience them. I have a question. You can um, decide not to answer this if you're not comfortable, comfortable answering it. But do you consider yourself religious now? No, absolutely not. Um, I do. I have not found anything that works for me. And don't get me wrong. Religion has worked for people. It has worked for my mom. It has definitely gotten her through tough times. And I appreciate what religion has done. However, no religion has worked for me. So do I, do you identify agnostic or atheist? Um, no, I consider myself a, a probably agnostic. I, I want to believe that there's something everyone wants to believe, I think. Mm -hmm. but nothing has You're not ready to, to count it out completely yeah i think of religion and this is weird um we're gonna go off topic with this but i think of religion as like an elephant uh just an everyone is in a room it's dark it is an elephant and we're all touching different parts of an elephant describing no. different parts of an elephant but at the end of the day it is an elephant yeah i love I, that i totally mm -hmm. agree because i always say that and maybe we should have you on for a faith episode but <laughs> Preach. I always say that, um, cause I feel like we have a lot of the same views, but I always say that religion, the only thing religion is at its core is how people get through life and, and find comfort in life basically. Mm -hmm. So people do it different ways and that's just how they get through. The problem lies in organized religion when it becomes harmful and so on and so forth. But mm -hmm. I have a question. Yes. Do you think being first born American kind of deterred you away or like made you more open-minded when it comes to religion um i think so i think the way that um the the american culture seeks more for you to find yourself it's more rooted in individualism um mm. made me kind of 
feel that way as in um you know central american culture it's more about collectivism so Mm -hmm. Um, if my parents believed in that, then by default, I must believe in it too. Otherwise, you know, yeah, I mean? it makes so, a lot of sense. Yeah, I always thought it's about the that classical too. cultures. Yeah, yeah, like my mom. I mean, growing up, like had I grown up how she grew up in, you know, a small, super small town in Mexico, yeah, I'd probably be religious. Like, I'd be, mm -hmm. I'd probably be super Catholic too. Like, mm -hmm. that's just what you did. Like, you go to Sunday or church and you go to mass again on Wednesday, and you know, everyone around you is. God this, God that, and mm -hmm. it's just so different here. And I think, I think my mom is sometimes even saddened by the fact that like she kind of. Oh my God, I just thought about that. Like, I wonder how they must feel of like when they were growing up, how they thought their like what life their kids could have, mm -hmm. or if they thought, okay, yeah, in, in America, this is how it's gonna be, and and comparing it to like what reality actually is. Because my mom kind of talks about like, oh, like being in america here like your the culture here is quote-unquote bad or what you know what i mean like mm -hmm. you guys have this um desire to i don't know be open sexually be open-minded religiously um like not care about god or you know what i mean like all those things that um, you know what I mean? Like no, yeah, for sure, and that I bet that causes so much tension, specifically with firstborn generation and their parents. Um, I'm, I'm positive that that is a shared collective experience there. The the tension between the old culture and the new culture. Yeah, which also leads me to my next point. Um, here there are times where I myself don't feel Salvadorian enough for Salvadorian people. And at the same time, I don't feel American enough for American people. Amen, um, brother. <laughs> so I, I feel like we as the first generation have a very important job yes. to decide whether or not we are going to pass on traits of our culture to our children, or if we are going to fall to statistics, which show that by the third generation, it's gone. Whatever yeah. tongue your parents spoke, it's gone. Whatever culture customs, it's gone. Um, and and it's I find that as a conflicting thing because there are certain aspects of Salvadoran culture that I would love to show my kids. I would be proud. And there are certain aspects that I would not. Same with American culture. Do you do your siblings immerse your nieces and nephews into Salvadoran culture? Um, for my older siblings, um, they, uh, they're more around my mom because my mom is back in California. So mm. although the majority of them only speak English, um, they are around my mom enough to understand. Um, they will be second generation technically, even though they, even though my older siblings weren't born in, um, in the, in the States, uh, I consider the fact that they've been here for more of their life in the States than away from it mm -hmm. as being good enough to qualify um yeah yeah so but i for myself um and my partner um i we've established that um it is important for our, our next of kin to speak spanish it gives them an advantage um and also for yeah. the good parts of my culture to be passed down because i don't want them i don't want the third generation to be like well my grandpa spoke spanish but and my last name is figueroa but that's all I got, you know? So, yeah. I used to be so judgmental about, you know, growing up with kids whose parents were, you know, Hispanic, like, like their first generation American and they don't speak Spanish. I'd be like, what? Like, 
that's crazy. Like, your parents didn't teach you Spanish? Like, I'd be like, oh, that's just lazy of them. But, you know, as you get older, you learn it's it's not as simple necessarily. I mean, they could have a time-demanding job or they could be a single parent or... Well, and it should be more in American curriculum to teach other languages from the start, from kindergarten. Absolutely. Like, I, that's something very specific that I'm going to be looking for when Cash goes to school is that I want a school that's going to teach him another language, specifically Spanish, from the beginning. Because I didn't start learning Spanish until high school. Well, eighth grade, but that was barely a Spanish class. But I didn't, I didn't really start learning Spanish until high school. And I felt like I didn't have enough time to actually become fluent. And mm-hmm. if I would have, I wish I would have started learning it in kindergarten because then by now I would be fluent. And I regret that. And I, and I, I regret not being able to communicate with her family or mm-hmm. any of our other friends' family members. Because, like, why is it on them to, to be able to communicate with me? Like, I had an American education, which could have included other languages because there are other languages here and another thing is like we really want cash to learn um sign language that that is something i wish like be able to help people too like he's in the grocery store and he can translate for someone in sign language or in spanish i want him to be able to feel useful to those people and be able to help them absolutely like i wish i could me too that's that's something that i regret never picking up (laughs) Sign language. Mm-hmm. It's so with babies, sign language is a big thing because they can learn sign language before they can start talking, before they have like the neurons to start learning words. And so we've taught Cash a lot of sign language that we've just learned as we go, like the ones that are important, like more and milk and and yes and like all these other things. And it's kind of easy, not like not to say that learning sign language is like you know, too easy or whatever, but it's easier than you think. So. Yeah. And, sp- and speaking of child development um, in that ma- nature. Um, so a little thing about me growing up. Um, so I grew up in a Spanish predominant, like Spanish only household. So therefore I was only ever exposed to Spanish in my first years of life. Um, my parents did their best to uh try to show me english shows i would watch um maybe barney maybe and that's if they're feeling generous without watching telenovelas right um (laughs) so when i came into the school i was fortunate and i know some individuals are not as fortunate as i am to live in a state where they can do both and that really helped me out a lot from coming in as pre-k they uh, put me in a Spanish English kind of immersion, if you will. And they just brought me all the way up until I left California, which I was mm-hmm. thankful for because uh, there would be times. And even now, even right now as an adult where I associate Spanish words with certain things and I don't know how to say it in English and vice versa. I don't know how yep. to say it in Spanish and, but I know how to say it in English. Same. For example, um, a Philip, I only learned what a Philip, uh, a Philip screwhead and a, um, freaking now I'm not flathead. The, uh, a flathead, uh, was called about a year ago because I did work with my dad and we just fired it off in Spanish. Um, a lot of also my girlfriend makes fun of me for this too. Sometimes, um, I can't think of kitchen terms like a stove, for example, or like, um, we would do Hello Fresh, and this is not a sponsorship. And I would, I, I asked <laughs> not her, yeah, not a sponsor. 
And I asked her, what's simmer? What's simmer down? Does that mean to like cool it? And she was like, yes. <laughs> so I associate a lot of like things, like little niche things with Spanish. And I don't know mm -hmm. what it means in English. Yeah. I was going to ask um, like an ESL question, like, where did you learn English? Did you learn it from school? Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think your dad speaks English, though. My dad speaks English, but I learned a little bit of English from my older cousins in Chicago. And then I came here and learned it in kindergarten. Because in, in Chicago, we went to a Spanish-only school. Mm. So, and here is where we learned it in school. Yeah. And that's another thing I was thinking, too. Like, going back to maybe what our parents thought our childhood would be like. I wonder, and I'm sure it's true. You come to this country to bring your child a better life, right? They pick up the language. Thankfully, they're not having any problems. But then they get to a point where they only want to speak English. And you have that disconnect with your child. And as, you know, they become a teenager. Teenagers are already going to have a disconnect with their parents. So not only are you going through that adolescence. How do you say a fucking word? Adolescence. Hmm. Adolescence phase. But they're you know, talking to you back, talking back to you in English or talking behind you, behind your back in English or, you know, talking mm. about you in English and mm. you can't understand the language or, you know, you may not understand it fully. Like, I wonder how, oh God, it's going to be so sad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they must feel like I, I, I came here to do what I did and that's what I wanted. I wanted them to learn the language, but now, but it's, now it's like they're using it against me now. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, but I also, on the flip side, too, have met um, people, uh, like, I've met a person from the Dominican Republic where their parents brought them here and were saying, you are here to learn English and we're going to forget about our Dominican roots because we want to assimilate into this country as oh, well. Oh, wow. So there are flip sides to it. To them, they're looking at it as we've made it, we've progressed, our kid is fully American, that's what we wanted in this country. So I can yeah, I see say... both sides for sure. Yes. One thing that um, just sparked into my memory listening to you there is um, with preferred language. Now, bilinguals, please let me know. And if you're listening, please let us know if this is true or not to you. But um, when you think a bilingual thinks, uh, for me, I think in English logically, but when I'm Same. mad in my thoughts, I'm Spanish, <laughs> Spanish in my head. I am wow. Spanish, Spanish, Spanish. So I don't know if Angelica has that a preferred language of thought. Um, I think preferred that that's language is English. Yeah. Like yeah. if I'm, that's why I tell my mom, like sometimes it, it can be frustrating to talk, have talks with my mom sometimes like about my feelings or about what I'm going through because I know how I feel and I know how to, I know exactly how I would express that in English, but it's like, how do I get that same effect in Spanish trying to have a conversation with her? And when I'm sitting there like, oh, what's that word? What's that word? It kind of loses what you're trying to say as a whole. Mm -hmm. So lost in translation. Yeah. And then you're just mm -hmm. frustrated at that point. And then, you know, I might just be like, you know what? It's fine. Never mind. I, we don't have to talk about it. You think your sister has that issue too with her? Sometimes, yeah, she's told me. For me, being emotional is definitely Spanish because, like you said, I try to find words to express how I feel, and it's in Spanish. Like, I mean, that is how 
that works you know but i just think it's more colorful to express yourself in spanish spanish has a very diverse choice of words that you can use to describe Mm -hmm. any sort of situation that something in english just doesn't it just doesn't hit you know so doesn't hit well and all the probably feels better yeah you're relieving stress Okay, well, let's go to another question. I've I've looked through the questions as you guys were talking, and we've actually answered a lot of them. We've already touched on the topic, so. But this one is from Luis. Shout out, Luis. Uh, Shout out Luis. What were your parents most strict about? Oh yeah. You want to go I'm first, think Angelica? About this. You go ahead. Okay, so it's it's different because i'm a guy and i'm sure if i was a, a female it would be a lot different but they didn't really um care about relationships as much so i can freely have relationships where they had issues were um choices of friends and friends that i would bring over they were definitely had issues with it just because of the language barrier and they didn't know who they were so if i just brought people over for some pupusas they would be like what are you doing? No, they can't come over. What are you talking about? Um, another thing that they were, they were pretty much not as, I don't know. I have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like kind of hard. Like you don't want to rehash the trauma. <laughs> well, and it's like, what yes. were they strict about in relation to your culture and like your heritage, you know? Oh. Well, kind of like how you okay. were saying, like you can't spend the night at people's houses, but they can come, they can come to you. Um, if you go out on Saturday, you can't go out Sunday. Or if you go out oh, on Friday, you can't go out Saturday. I forgot mm-hmm. about you, that. You can't have fun mm-hmm. two days in a row. That that's would affect un- me mm-hmm. too. That's not effect- mm-hmm. unacceptable. That would affect me too because I'll go over there Friday night and we would, we would go out somewhere Friday night to the movies or something. We can't go nowhere else the rest you of the week. You have to stay home Saturday. There was, there was a rule to the exception, which we found a loophole, uh, my cousins and I. And it's funny that my cousin is the one that sent this question is. The loophole is... <laughs> That if you're hanging out with your cousins, then those rules don't matter because yeah, because they're cousins. not friends; they're family, so it's mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. cousins can take you out; that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah. So, oh, and my mom was really strict about only speaking Spanish in the household. We could not speak English in the household growing up. I mean, obviously, when I got into college, she was a little bit more lenient on it; like she almost didn't really care. But yeah, it took a long time. She was very strict about only Spanish in the household um let's see i think Uh, one thing that also came to mind for me is um they were strict about um parent teacher conferences they have a different relationship with that so in a normal household you do a parent teacher conference to get to know the teacher um, (laughs) celebrate things get the new year started um a teacher a parent teacher conference to me means that i'm in trouble and so therefore they have to um and of course they they worked their ass off like they literally put in work they they are hard workers but they had to take time off of that and if i was in trouble a parent teacher conference does not mean meet your teacher it means you're you're in trouble it means you did something bad mm-hmm. yeah and so then it's your fault they had to take off work and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did you have more uh no but i kind of taken off work too i feel like Hispanic parents or immigrant parents taking off work is not as easy for them because nine times out of 10, the jobs that they have aren't very lenient about that. They don't have PTO. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like they don't have have benefits or or if they have PTO, it's for necessity. So like a doctor's appointment, 
they don't have time to take off to go see you play soccer or if you're in a play forget about it like you know what I mean like mm -hmm. there's just so many other things that they have to do that that's like second to them well it's like for them um it's like no rest for the wicked right so it's like yeah the, they're the minority so like if if they get caught taking off time or whatever then they're risking their livelihood yeah and it's like it's different for them than for say an American person to take off work and have exceptions made for them oh yeah um i want to say besides bringing friends over because like i also didn't have open houses because that just doesn't exist um they're like i'm sorry did it cut off no, no we're good oh okay. um yeah just open houses we doesn't smiling. exist <laughs> oh, i'm like did I'm it look like, like we what? froze yes it did <laughs> i was like we were waiting for you to waiting talk. for you to get to the point. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, uh, part uh, parties were not uh, were a no go, even for like uh, a birthday. If it's not family, it's a no go. Wow. Do you feel like they had like uh, like they struggled with like trusting the friends that you like having them in their household? I feel like um, with Salvadorian cultures, you want to treat strangers like family, but you want to get to know them as family before you fire off the 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 family characteristics. So, for example, um, I brought a girlfriend that I was dating at that time over and she was American. And I'm like, OK, they're excited to meet you, but there's a couple of things you need to know before you come into the house. <laughs> A couple things you need to know. They don't speak English. Um, boundaries do not exist. And the very first thing that I guarantee you is going to happen is my mom is going to come over to you, hug you, and give you a kiss on two cheeks. And I need you to mentally prepare yourself for this. And you can't deny it. You have to let and her you, do it. Oh, and food? Do food. not deny the food. If you do not deny no food. food. Oh, my God. That is Are like you, you shot them. Nope. Give me some more. Nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that is also evident with uh, my my girlfriend uh, here, um, who's American. Um, I would go over to her parents' house and, you know, she knows that I'm not going to deny anything that they are offering me at the time. But it's even if I'm full, she's like, it's OK. You can say no. I'm like, no, 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 I can't. <laughs> no. OK, so something that me and Angelica have talked about a little bit is that like these like as you are teenagers or whatever, like annoying or embarrassing or like pitfalls, right? But now as you're adults, it's the way that your parents care for other people. Like we've mm -hmm. talked about with her mom, like she was super strict and like kind of crazy when we were teenagers, but now she will die for her kids. She will do anything for her children. And if you come over, she's going to feed you. She's going to cook you a home cooked meal and she's going to feed you and make sure you're fed. If you have to stay the night, she's going to make sure you're warm and you are safe. And like, that's just not something you find in parents who are like of American culture. Like they, mm -hmm. they don't, it's not that they don't care as much, but they don't put the effort into making sure you're fed, you're warm and you're safe. Like you tell me if you're not, if you're hungry or whatever, you tell me if you don't feel safe, but you're like her mom is very much like, this is what I'm offering in my household. Yeah. Because in my this household, is how I run my household. Olive Garden. When you're here, you're family. <laughs> When you're here, yeah, you're yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. When you're oh, here, yeah. you're gay. <laughs> Sorry. 
There was a meme. I shared it on Instagram. There was a meme that was like, um, Companies in June. Companies in June. <laughs> Olive Garden, when you're here, you're gay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, to, to answer it, uh, Kelsey's question, which is, I don't know if you're going to say this, but it goes back to Hispanic cultures being more uh, communal. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. America, 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 the U.S. is more individualistic. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm so jealous of that, too. As an American to you guys, like, I'm jealous of that within your culture, that it's like you do have a village. Yes. You have a whole fucking village. Even if your whole village is the three people that live in your grandma's house, like, but mm-hmm. that's all you need is that village because they're willing to do it, things that 10 people would do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it my culture kind of clashes with my friendships too, because sometimes I'll like accidentally get catch myself being too close to people <laughs> or when they come over to my house, I'm like, what do you need? What do you want? Are you okay? And it feels like I am bothering them way too much, but it's just me <laughs> trying my best to be a good host, you know? So, yeah, I will say that I, I don't know if it's, if it's me or that's just how life happened, but like majority of my friends are Hispanic and like my fiance is obviously Hispanic, so I've never mm. had a whole lot to do with like kind of how you you were saying about you and your girlfriend. Like you kind of had to like sit her down and explain like this is what's mm-hmm. gonna happen. Like yeah. be aware of the of these things. Like I never, I was kind of like, what you know how it is. Like you, you know, it's all <laughs> you good. Know. Like you you're the same way. So yeah, I I bet well, that I'm must the only be... one, and I grew up with you guys. So yeah, I so it was just easy to. So is that like difficult for you or like, do you find it, I don't know, like as a, what am I trying to say here? You get, you get what I'm saying? Like, no, yeah. Um, it's like a burden for you to do that. No, absolutely not. Because I want them to be prepared for the culture shock. Um, just like my parents had to prepare for the culture shock when they came to this country, you were about to get flipped on your head. And I think, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people in the States take for granted that they have cultures around them and they need to kind of branch out a little bit and yes. explore um, mm-hmm. because there's a whole beauty of things, um, a beautiful thing. So therefore when I bring them over to, and what, what's the downside with my current girlfriend at the moment is that both my parents are not in Indiana at the moment. Uh, oh. So it's a little difficult, but um I'd say I prepare them the best that I can um, with differences that I've picked up from both cultures to prepare them for the culture shock because it is a culture shock. Imagine just coming into already having the anxiety of not being able to speak the same language on top yeah. of mannerisms, on top of, hey, by the way, don't refuse this. Yeah, that anxiety. Customs. Yeah, that anxiety. So I, I try to prepare, you know, for, for the best case. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I I wanted at some point in this podcast to say this, and I think this is very fitting, is that something my parents have always told me is like, you could be the first Mexican someone comes across, like, uh, yeah, comes across. across. Yeah. I almost said comes across to, and I'm like, wait, to where? (laughs) You could be the first, someone's first experience with a Mexican or Mexican-American or, you know, Salvadorian, Salvadorian, Mexican. Or something. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there no, are Salvadorian Mexicans. There are Salvadorian Mexicans. <laughs> oh, I bet. Oh, my God. Okay. There yeah. she goes talking too fast. <laughs> my mouth is just, it just does it. Her feelings and her, what was it? Her thoughts and her feelings and her feelings and her thoughts. 
Okay. Anyway, <laughs> cut all this shit out. <laughs> you could be laughing so hard. You could be someone's first encounter with someone who's Hispanic. So you want to give them a good representation, like mm-hmm. show them your best qualities so that they don't say like because a lot of people that's what they do. They meet one person from one race or ethnic group and they just assume they're that's all true. like that. Yeah. So you know, you come across someone who's who's Mexican, and you know they didn't, you didn't like necessarily how they were. So like, oh, I, I don't like Mexicans because this one time I had one experience with one person. Right. So. And it wasn't even something hap- that happened that drew them back to their Mexican ship. Like, yeah, just who they were. So th- that's something that like my parents have always told me. Like, you just want to make sure, like, well, just in general too, like, just be a good person to everybody because mm-hmm. I mean. But specifically because you you are representing who you are. Mm-hmm. What I was going to say, going back to what Brian said about Americans like not taking advantage of other cultures being around them, is like I know we shit on like us having a public school education a lot, but I'm actually like when I look back on it, I'm really grateful that I had a public school education because if I would have had a private school education or like a charter school education, I would not have been so immersed in culture. I would not mm-hmm. have four Mexican best friends or, you know, my husband is black. Like I would have never met him if I, if I didn't go to private or public school. And so it's like another thing looking back when I was thinking about this was when I first met Travis's mom, it was after a couple of weeks of us dating. And I remember him trying like telling me ahead of time, like she's not really fond of white people. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure how this is going to go. I was the first white person that Travis had ever dated. And she was very standoff to, standoffish to me when she first met me and, and for the first few weeks. But in my head, I was like, no, it's fine. Like I didn't take it to heart because white people suck. So of course she's probably had bad experiences with white people. You heard it here first. <laughs> and so oh, white people, I'm just kidding, I can't say that. <laughs> I was like, to me, I thought, you know, I'm not your average white girl. So I'm going to make sure she knows that and make sure she knows that like, I'm a safe person. Like back then we didn't have that phrase, but I wanted to make sure she knew that I was a safe person. And like, I am cultured in a way I have, have been immersed in multiple different cultures growing up. And I'm not going to be this whatever version of white people that you have in your head that you've had to unfortunately deal with. And she's in her sixties now. So of course she grew up during a time where it was much worse than now or much worse than the time that me and Travis met. So I'm I'm really grateful for my public school education exactly for that reason. One thing I do want to say is that um, there are shitheads in every race. Um, We will never, ever uh, say that one race is more shittier than the other, but, but white people are... do suck. <laughs> There's shitheads in every race. Um... <laughs> I'll say it for the okay. three of us. <laughs> and um, and so, um, with that being said, there are biases. Uh, when when you think of communities, they want to stick with individuals that are very closely related to them that have the same shared experience. However. Mm-hmm. That causes a dangerous, dangerous game because there's biases, there's even unconscious biases. Mm -hmm. And as much as we like to say that we are not biases ourselves, everyone has a bias. Everyone has a preference. There's even a bias towards stores, for example. And I can, if you're listening, I'll I'll challenge you. Um, Some individuals may not prefer Walmart. They rather go to Target. They may pay a little extra, but that's a that's a preference and a bias that they are willing to go for. Mm-hmm. So 
the way that you curve that right is just going out there exploring the culture talking to people everyone everyone in this planet has a shared experience in one shape way or another however there also has trauma in there as well and once you break that down and you talk through it go through it you'll realize that everyone is beautiful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. amen amen and on that note, we'll go to the next question if you guys are thank you, thank you. okay with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one's from Louise as well. Do you feel like being a first-generation immigrant made your life more difficult and why? Mm. Wait, it says first-generation immigrant. First-generation American, I think he meant. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, honestly, you can. I mean, we. that would be a, a question for our parents, right? Like, for mm, being yeah. first-generation immigrant. But... Um, I think the difficulties come from uh, the it, it comes a lot from the American side, unfortunately, because of those prejudices, because of those biases. Like if you were to line me up with a bunch of people and they were to say, point out the American, you know that they're not pointing at me. Um, I've had multiple. It makes it difficult because even though my accent is not like you can tell that I, you know, america um they there's still i still get asked no but where are you really from or that's not what i'm getting at where, where are your parents from that mm-hmm. that is their their level of curiosity whether it is innocent or on purpose so i feel like it makes it difficult in that aspect it also makes it difficult for my salvadorian side so for example i work at a financial institution that's what i've been doing for the last year um and i had uh salvadorian uh people come through and you know i listen and they are struggling in english so i let them know i speak spanish um i try to speak as professional in spanish as possible and they ask me where are you from oh my parents are from el salvador and they're like well you don't sound like it you sound very proper and it's like oh hold on let me come down the mountains of metapan real quick to to do the (laughs) noises real quick for you if you want to be assured right so it's it's difficult because i i feel not american enough and i also don't feel salvadorian enough Mm. did you forget the question yep <laughs> that was where I forgot the question face. I was just like looking up like, yep, that sounds right. <laughs> Do you feel like being a first generation American made your life more difficult and why? Well, I, I agree with everything you said, but also I was thinking about this earlier. Um I was con- kind of comparing myself to like so like a first generation American to like DACA kids, like kids that came here at a young age um, from other countries and how, like what opportunities were given to them or lack of and what Mm. opportunities were given to me. So like, for example, I I was fortunate enough to have 21st century scholars where it paid for my college tuition. And I can't sit here and say, had I not been given that opportunity, would I have gone to college? I don't think that I would have. And I feel for those those kids that came here without a choice, you know, I, not to get political or whatever, but like, damn, like, I feel like I am, I have more, um, it's like privilege Privilege, almost. yeah. Yeah. For over them. And we're the same. I grew up with those kids, but because of where we were born, 
for that, it's just decided. You yeah. go to college, you don't. Or yeah. you have an easy ride and you have to suffer and, and pay your way through it. And and who knows? You don't know the, the outcome of it. You don't know if it's, you know, guaranteed or not. Whereas, like, I was very fortunate to to have that opportunity. So in, in a way, I feel like our lives were even easier than than those kids who, like you said, have been here for a very long time, more time here in the States than they, than they were in their home country. So therefore are considered, I would consider them first generation Americans, but it's like society and the government's like, but you're not though. Yeah, it, a lot of it is definitely political and trying to, you know, uh, please the other side um of the aisle of the of that debate um however there are things that we can do to help these individuals out there are both local and national um uh nonprofits that are working hard to not only for daca but refugees my parents came in with a temporary protection status as refugees and had the hard work of those nonprofits like had they not worked as hard as they did, my parents would probably have been deported or worse. I don't know what would have happened to them, but mm -hmm. there are um, certain programs and I'm going to plug these in here, by yes, the way, if that's okay yeah, with you guys. Please, uh, there are ways that you can help. It doesn't even have to be monetary. You can volunteer. Um, you can even help out someone that you know. Um, here in Indianapolis, there's the Exodus Refugee Immigration Inc. That's a local base. Um, and also nationally, there's the American Civil Liberties Union that works not just on issues of immigration, but other issues, um, uh, abortion, um, LGBTQ plus rights. Uh, they, they work on a plethora. So those are just my plugins right there of non-for-profits that help communities out. That's good. Like you mentioned. Uh, we knew you'd be the right person. Send those to me because, uh, was it September? Yes, September. September is Hispanic Heritage Month, so we'll be doing another episode then, and we'll use those then, too. And I'll plug Absolutely. those in the episode notes, too. Um, Did you have something else? No. Where were we? I forgot. <laughs> I was reading we were talking about to see where to go next. <laughs> we were talking about difficulties of being first generation. Oh, yes. Um, This is a question I had for you guys, but if you want to cut it, we can, if it's too hard of a question. Mm -hmm. What's the worst thing you've heard someone say about your parents? Like, hmm. because they're of a different ethnicity. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say anything specifically about my parents or to my parents. But I think just the frustration alone was enough. Like, if they get impatient or irritated when I'm translating for them or... Um, sometimes my mom will be like, Hey, I'm at CVS. I'm trying to tell the cashier this, I'll pass you the phone. And I hear her telling the cashier, like, you know, talk to my daughter or whatever, and you know, to translate. But thankfully up until this point, no one said anything, but I wish a bitch would. I, w I've been waiting for someone to try me to my parents, but also my, my mom's defended herself too. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. What I'm trying to say is, thankfully, no one has ever. Um, but I guess um, that they did. Yeah, I I never told my parents this. Um, but oh. there was this one time. Yeah, I know. There was this one time we were sitting in dinner and we were all speaking Spanish, obviously. 
and these this couple in the back were discussing and i overheard them oh, why are they speaking that language why don't they speak english this is america and so I just carried on like nothing, but I was getting angry. Like I was getting really upset. And so I kind of lied to them. I fibbed them that I needed to go to the bathroom to kind of control my emotions. Um, you know, by the time that we left, I, I would, looking back, I should have educated them, but also I was just passive at the time. So I just flipped them yeah. off as we were leaving. How old were you 30. at that dinner? Oh, um, at the dinner, I was at least 14. Mm -hmm. It was in Indiana. Um, Wait, as one of your questions, like, when was the, how old were you when you first heard, like, a derogatory racist term? No, but go ahead. Okay, the first time. <laughs> Ask yourself the question. I was in oh second grade. And I was in second grade, so what, that was probably, like, eight, seven, maybe, years old. And I remember a kid called me a wetback. And him and his friends were laughing, pointing at me, calling me wetback. And I remember in that moment being like, I don't know what the fuck that is. So I didn't get offended. I didn't get mad. I didn't say anything. I just remember like going home. And I think I must have asked like my sister or I asked somebody, maybe an uncle or something. And they explained to me. And instead of getting mad, I literally just sat there and thought like, blissful like what's that word like ignorance is bliss because in that moment i didn't know what that word meant mm -hmm. and i could have gotten angry and upset had i known what that word meant but thankfully i didn't know what that word meant and therefore it didn't ruin my mood it, it rolled didn't ruin off my, my back yeah it rolled off my back and from then i've just kind of been like oh, whatever like who cares like mm -hmm. i mean i know it's not it's easier said than done obviously and these kids are just boys that were pointing and calling me names but well, and when we were teenagers, it was, like, normal to, like, throw around words like that to, like, make fun, like, of your friends. Yeah, yeah. Fun and, then, of each other. and then we got older, and then I heard the word beaner, and I was like, beaner? Like, these aren't even good, like... They're not even good insults. They're not even good insults. <laughs> like, how old were you when you first heard your uh, first, like, derogatory or racist term? Well, um, when I first did it, it was in elementary, um, so being from California, I was also surrounded by different nationalities. And it's unfortunate sometimes, whether it be pressures of whatever, um, where even within the community, mm -hmm. we'll separate on nationalistic yep. um, tend lines and tendencies. So if you're Salvadorian, you hang out with the Central Americans. If you're Mexican, it's Mexicans only. You know wow. what I mean? And so I heard it within that kind of division um, in elementary. I heard the in term elementary? wetback. But yeah, I, I heard the term wetback, but it was used... I don't even know if it was in a term of self-hate, but it was obviously taught from someone else to then, mm -hmm. to, then right. to them to use. Yeah. Yes. Well, I thought about that too. Like the kids that were calling me wet back, they were in second grade. Like where did they hear mm -hmm. Where did they hear it from? Mm -hmm. <sighs> and it's unfortunate that sometimes society teaches you to self-hate as well. And that's, that's a common thing as well. Yeah. So. All right, my next question is, what would you say to someone who says your parents should have came here the right way? Oh, my God. I hate that so much, and I wanted to get your guys' take on it. My my parents came in here the right way, um, if you will, with the quotation marks. However, um, 
most people are not fortunate. And if you really want to look at the history of El Salvador, if you really want to get technical with it, um, the United States gave $1 million to death squads uh, every single day to cause casualties uh, in the eyes of stopping communism. So in actuality, um, when they say that the Salvadoran civil war is not a problem for the United States, it most definitely is. It could have been stopped by multiple presidents, both Republican and Democrats, but they refused to stop it because of communism. Mm. So the right way would have been, um, I don't know, leaving that country alone to deal with its issues and not meddle in the continent. But that is just the right way. Well, I think, um, and I might be wrong, but like my personal view of how other people view refugees versus immigrants is a little bit different because you're like, you're being allowed to come over here as a refugee to seek refuge, but they see immigrants as people who jumped the border and came over here without permission. And so I think it, it might be a little bit of a different line in that way too. Mm -hmm. Like if your parents were refugees, then that might be seen it'd be different. It'd be, yeah, that'd be different. seen different. Um, what I would say to them is you obviously know nothing about the path to citizenship uh, or how difficult it is, how costly it is, how much time it takes and have some compassion because you would you should look at it from this point of view that someone would want a better life so much that they're willing to leave everything they know behind, mm -hmm. go to a new country, learn the language, come here without knowing anything and still be able to find a way to get a job, find housing, get make a, a living, license. get a driver's license, like pay taxes. Like in that sense, if they're doing it that way, then that's the right way. Like, right. I just don't understand. I think a lot of it comes from ignorance though, oh, because for sure. people think that immigrants don't pay taxes and that they're just living off the government. And specifically with refugees, they get assistance but it doesn't last forever they have to eventually mm -hmm. be on their own feet and so on and so forth and it yeah. really just boils down to choosing to be immigrant immigrant <laughs> choosing to be ignorant <laughs> i thought you were i thought you were like yep choosing to be an immigrant uh-huh <laughs> choosing to be ignorant on the situation instead of like educating yourself on what the real situation is i i also think that... something that i've always thought about is how Mm, what's the right word here? Like, how do you expect to be advertised as the best country in the world and not expect people to want to come? Mm -hmm. And if any which way, mm -hmm. how, like, how do you expect that? Part of it comes from they want the right immigrant. Um, I know that that is a point of contention with um, a lot of our um Asian immigrants that come to this country. Um, I know that that is a, a hot topic issue there with American society wanting doctors and what yep. have you. Um, they just want what is modeled as the right immigrant to come. That would be, rather be an Eastern European or someone that Colorism. looks European or um, a person of Asian background, which they all have the right to move freely. But mm -hmm. um, one thing that I want to hit on that Angelica mentioned citizenship is hard 
it is difficult to obtain in this country. Most Americans would not even pass the test. No. I would challenge, I would challenge someone I remember to pass that test. When my parents and, were studying, I literally was like, I don't even know. I don't even know two thirds of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they make it difficult to find that quote unquote right immigrant to come into this country. Um, another thing that Kelsey mentioned is the economic um, benefit of having immigrants or even migrant workers temporary. Um, they pay taxes. And even my parents, for example, coming in on refugee status, they pay taxes. They contribute to the economy. However, they are not um, allowed to take Social Security. Mm-hmm. They are not allowed to have food stamps. They are not allowed to have government assistance. Once Kelsey mentioned uh, past the due time where you're supposed to stand on your own now. Mm-hmm. So where does that come from? It comes from ignorance. They don't mm-hmm. know the situation. My parents would love to have social security for working here for over 30 years, but they don't they get to have that. It, but they can't have it. And they can't have it. Medicare, mm-hmm. they funded the streets, potholes. They funded that stuff for mm-hmm. 30 years. Yeah. Like how much of our population are, you know, immigrants or first generation Americans and how much that contributes to consumerism and, Mm. you know, where our money is going to and, you know, all this, everything we're buying into that also boosts the economy. How much much Americans love Mexican culture, Hispanic culture, but then Mm -hmm. hate immigrants. Mm. I do want to mention the the craze of media lately. Oh, my God. There's a trend. Sorry, not to cut you off, but there's a trend yeah, going yeah. around. I don't know if, whether or not to be offended yet. I'm still deciding. But there's a trend going around called, called um, doing the Latina makeup style. And it's like, bro, it's literally just eyeliner. Just, just, It's just based off of beautiful human beings that just so happen to be Hispanic. Mm. And they call it the mm. Hispanic makeup trend. And I'm like, girl, no. <laughs> I don't know. What anyway. I- what, what I do want to say is that I do have hope for us because a lot of this hatred, a lot of this biases is coming from the older generation. And mm-hmm. I don't want to be ageist, but it seems that We're gonna way. Die I do soon. have. <laughs> Unfortunately, they have taught <laughs> their so... children as well, but there's less of them. Yes. Yes. I do have hope. A lot of the um, individuals in our generation, a lot of the younger generation have been more educated. Mm-hmm. They're more open minded. Um, so I do have hope that um, a lot of the negative stereotypes, the negative stigma is surely going away. And one thing that um, I will remind people is that, uh, you know, Americans didn't come to this country at all. They're Im- they're children of immigrants, too, whether it be seven, eight, nine generations. So you didn't come to this country. You yeah. didn't come here the right way either. Mm-hmm. Right. You committed yep. genocide. Yeah. <laughs> I'll continue to. I was gonna say that we've also um tainted the gene pool. So like everyone's mixed. Like almost everyone, you know, at some point is gonna be multiple races, multiple ethnicities. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, you know, how we how it's gonna go. That's how the populace is set to go anyway. Um I think um in El Salvador it's beautiful that we have a blend of of Palestinian people. We have a blend of Spanish. We have a blend of Native American. We have a, a just well, a beautiful mix. It it makes for a rich culture. Yeah, and traveling is a lot easier than it was fifty years ago. It's 
more mm -hmm. convenient. It's more economical. People want to travel. People are putting a more emphasis on traveling, you know? So yeah. Y'all ready for the next question? Yes. Yes. Um, I had it. That's a lot of questions left. Well, no, that's not. It's some of this we've already talked about. This is just notes I took from the podcast. Um, how have your parents Americanized or assimilated assimilated themselves over time? Like, can you think of like funny ways they've assimilated? Yes. Um, so my parents dress Amer more American now um, than they would uh, their culture. Um, they have eaten they've gone out and eaten a lot more of burgers um pizzas they're very familiar with the cuisine mm -hmm. um they it's not that they didn't want to learn the language it's that they uh they honestly don't even know how to read in spanish anyway the educational mm -hmm. system has kind of failed them so it, have the resource. even then yeah to even try to tackle an english language is mm -hmm. going to be impossible english is one of the hardest languages to learn for a non-native um and yeah i, I want to say they dress more american they eat out with more cuisine as american and they at least attempted to celebrate some american holidays like fourth of july but that's it <laughs> i'd say that too like celebrating the american holidays here uh the food for sure um yeah those are the, the pretty big ones i think your mom she dress. She does like a lot of American like brands and stuff. Like the way she dresses. Oh yeah, she more loves... American now than she was mm -hmm. like when we were kids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of, but yeah, I've seen her older looks. Going back to what you were saying, sometimes I wonder if like the racist people, like, you know what, you know what, dude, you should be mad. You should be upset that my parents had an elementary school education and they came to this country and they are living in a house that they're paying for, that's going to be theirs mm -hmm. very soon, that their kids went on to get a, a high school, they went on to get their college education, they're owning their own homes, they're mm -hmm. owning their own cars, they're not in any debt. Like, you know what? Yeah. You should be fucking pissed. Two of mm -hmm. our friends, their parents own their house outright, own their cars outright. Like, <laughs> American could never. Like, literally, my, like, yeah, my parents, my mom's highest education was, like, I don't know, third, fourth grade. My dad's was probably, like, sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they came to a different country to, to get a better life somewhere or another, you know what I mean? Like, that's uh, admirable. Mm -hmm. So. And it speaks volume to their persistent persistence. Exactly. Fuck it if they don't do it the right way. Or, or if they do, like, whatever. Um, I kind of know this answer for Angelica already, but it made me want to ask you this question. <clears throat> do you feel like when you became an adult, it was hard for your parents to trust you in your decisions to, like, make adult decisions and, and be your own person? Because I feel like Angelica really struggled with that, like, like... Like, especially because when you were still living with your mom, like, you still had to check in with her. Like, you kind of, like, still had a curfew. And, like, she was still very controlling over what you were doing and where you were at and who you were with. It's like she didn't trust you to make safe decisions. I think maybe because they're immigrants um, or, you know, like, 
they just are more aware of the dangers out there or maybe the danger is more heightened for them Mm -hmm. because there's still a lot that they don't know or you know what they see on the news or snippets here and there or i don't know yeah i guess so they not not that she didn't trust me she just didn't trust the world that i was living in or that i am living in yeah yeah brian no they they definitely trust my decision um as an adult um mainly in part because they have gone through troubles themselves the one thing that i did ask of them when they were going through their their issues is to not bring my younger brother into it and that kind of brought the tone of like you two are adults figure your shit out um i'm gonna help my younger brother with whatever is going on here um, so they most definitely trust my decision. I've had multiple um, talks when they bicker about their issues, um, even as far as to when they separated, for example. Um, that's why they don't live in the same states. Um, once they separated, I went ahead and took in my brother. I lived with him for quite a few amount of years. Um, he was able to pursue higher education, further education than I am uh through that and it was just they know that i was going to take care of my younger brother they they had no doubt of trusting my in decision. a way you were you were parentified mm-hmm. okay. um are your parents emotionally available if not how had that affected your own emotional availability angelica mm. <laughs> took a big sigh <sighs> i i think that because of the trauma that they had, which is um, the Salvadoran Civil War. So, for example, my dad, he never really saw combat. However, um, there was a time where they were picking up 13-year-old boys from school and drafting them into the military. Imagine what you were doing at 13, right? You were thinking about boys. You were thinking about playing soccer, for example. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they were picking up little kids so he grew up very poor and so did my mom um he didn't have a pair of shoes until he was about that age of of teenage years and the only outlet that it that there was available for him to even have a piece of clothing uh that was decent enough or to have shelter or food at a certain time was to join the what is called uh it's kind similar to a militia if you will so most people just did that. They just signed up for it so that they can have some boots. And then that that was that. Um, so for them, his relationship with his dad was that just that. We're just trying to survive. There's no time for emotions. Just get by. Do what you mm-hmm. got to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my mom, it, a same, same situation with the Civil War, um, but more in religion. You have to trust if you need anything, if you are emotional, God is the one that fix it for you. So with her, there was a lot of trauma as well as to, she would tell me stories of where her and my siblings would go into the kitchen at night because that's when the fire, when, when the shots really let out, like, think about it. You're in the mountainous area. It's dark. Let it go. You know? So there would be nights where they would put up a mattress and just, sit there and pray and that was their emotional outlet Mm -hmm. to just be be okay and that was where their outlets emotionally were 
And so therefore it was a little more difficult for me to talk about my emotions with them because my dad was very much, are you, you're surviving? So you should be fine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show you how to be a man. So you shall be fine. And for my mom, my mom, it was like, well, read this passage to me, read this Proverbs real quick to me and see how you feel after that. So there was never really like that. And so that thick skin, that, that is what was transferred to me. So emotional availability was never really, really there as much as they would want to. They were more in survival mode. Do you think that's affected you in your relationships now? Yeah, uh, not going to lie. Um, I I have tried therapy. Um, I've also, you know, just being in communication with my partner is important. Um, mm-hmm. There will There are times where I do show characteristics of my parents but you know i i'm at least adult enough to recognize that that's what i'm doing um but yeah it does emotional awareness yes it's just a like i said when yeah communication is difficult when i'm upset or when i'm sad or when i'm this feeling some type of way i think in spanish because Mm -hmm. that's what i try to communicate with using that language Um, yeah you know what i mean so yeah yeah, like we've talked about on the podcast and we'll probably talk about multiple times going forward is that everything, your relationship, your intimate relationship with your parents is a direct reflection on how you are in a relationship with a partner because they're the ones who taught you how to have emotional awareness, how to communicate and all these things. And if you weren't taught those things properly, then it affects you in your relationships. This actually goes directly to attachment styles. I don't know if you've looked into that or not. There's a quiz you can take to find your attachment style and the questions themselves of asking what you like, how you feel about your parents and how they were emotionally or not emotionally available for you. Just the questions themselves are really helpful in like taking stock of what place you're in as far as that goes. And then learning your attachment style actually helps you learn what you need from your partner, helps your partner learn what, what you need from them and vice versa. And it's actually helped me and Travis a lot because he has an anxious attachment style and it comes from his childhood. And so I will, will be in like a little tiff or something and I'll, I'll recognize, okay, this is, this is a part of his attachment style. Like he needs reassurance or whatever. And it's easy to like, then go, not easy, but I'm able to draw the lines basically from here to there. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. They, they provided for me. They raised me the way that I am today. They taught me ethics. They taught me all this good stuff. Yeah. But, um, like you said, that attachment right there. Um, I, I do want to put hints on something that I touched a little bit earlier is there are certain aspects of my culture that I do not want to pass along that being, um, the way that discipline works. Um, they, the way that they disciplined me was very much, um, uh, in, in the in the issue of like switches belts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that kind of way Corporal, and yeah. um and um although i recognized that they are doing it out of love that it is not necessarily meant to hurt me that is more or less to teach me a lesson i as an adult now am able to recognize that that's not necessarily the safest or correct way mm-hmm. to discipline a child and so that is certain aspects that I would like to drop from my culture. And I'm proud of Salvadoran, but 
you know, um, that right there is something that I want to eliminate. <laughs> I was going to say before you brought that up that emotional unavailability is something that's really prominent in our parents' generation, not just in specific cultures. It might be more prominent in some people's households due to their culture and where they were raised and their backgrounds and the things that they had to go through and stuff like that. But there's lots of people that are going through their parents not being emotionally available. I mean, my parents weren't emotionally available either. So, um, but I hear you. What did you want to answer that one? I was just going to say that sometimes I feel like, well, not that I feel like I know that they do even growing up, my parents kind of would compare my struggles to their struggles mm. and your like my struggles would be nothing compared to everything they've overcome and therefore I shouldn't be given the time of day or you know what I mean like yeah. there's no point in talking about it because everything's gonna be fine and it, it could be over. worse yeah it could be exactly it could be worse and it has been worse for other people and it ha exactly so you mm. need to be grateful for what you have in the moment which I get I mean I get that I understand completely but this is the worst that's ever happened to me specifically I don't know how people other people feel I know how I feel in the moment and so I mean yeah my parents are very emo emotionally unavailable I also think that goes back to, you know, not being able to being for, you know, obviously the first um, immigrants and having kids growing up in America. Also, my mom like had four kids and my dad was physically unavailable sometimes. And so she had to be the authoritarian and a lot, you know, the house, the what is it like the housekeeper, the house. I don't know how you say that. The person the who kept the house, head of household, mm -hmm. authoritarian, like a lot fell well, on Well, and your her. brothers were a lot too. So she was constantly chasing your brothers she, around. They were twins. And I mean, they were, tw they were twins. They're no they longer were... twins. <laughs> They've grown out of their twins as of yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, not just because they were um, immigrants, but just like a lot of factors. Yeah. Like, like you said, it doesn't really know a race or one ethnic, ethnic group or the other, mm -hmm. like, you know, so. It's passed down. How do you think it affects you in your current relationships? Um, I... <laughs> do you want me to say something? No. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm just trying to help you remember. <laughs> okay, Okay. fine. Help me remember. I think you struggle with feeling unheard. Oh, yes. I, I struggle with feeling validated because as, as I was growing up, my feelings were never validated or at least... That's how I felt. I was never validated. Mm -hmm. And so I almost like gaslight myself into thinking, well, no, no. Are you really feeling that? No, you're probably not. Or, you know, it's probably something else or. Or you won't tell someone because you're like, they're not going to understand. Exactly. They're going to tell me I'm overreacting. All the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's affected my relationships. So I wanted to read this because it like hit kind of hard. I sent it to Angelica and she was like, yeah, that's really sad. So we're just going to make everybody sad before we go. Oh. So. Do you have anything else to add? Um, not that I can think of, but I yeah, know we're going to hear this yeah. episode yeah. and be like, and then, oh, and then, you listen yeah. to it, take notes and we'll do a part two. Yeah. Maybe we can save it for September since, uh, Hispanic heritage month. Of course. Um, so this meme just says, Immigrant parents suffering from loneliness is an issue that is severely neglected. Many of them went from growing up in a world filled with friends and a strong support base only to end up in a world filled with nameless neighbors and uninterested coworkers. That kind of goes back to what we we're saying about like 
Hispanic heritage is very communal and focused on the village. And, and when you come to America, it's very individualistic and selfish. And so it must be lonely, especially when, if you come here, your only friends and your only family are your family, like your kids, then you don't have your village anymore. You just have you and your kids. I feel like a lot of also African families and Asian families share that um, trait. I I want to go out in a limb and just assume that the individualism in the United States is causing that kind of issue. Mm-hmm. But that could just be a, a criticism of the United States, you know? So. Yeah. I was telling Kelsey too, like, you know, if God forbid... I don't know, an older family member who's still in their home country, if they're sick or dying or passing away, they physically can't go to say their goodbyes or to, you know, attend a funeral or anything like that. Like, that must be, like, so sad. And, like, everyone, like, my parents, I remember, they didn't go to Mexico for, like, I think, like, 18, 20 years, something like that. And when they came back, they had this realization that, like, either everyone is back in the States somewhere or they're dead. Like their mm-hmm. friends, their uncles, their aunts, their cousins, um, or just because, you know, communication isn't the best or, you know, they don't have Wi-Fi down there. So we don't have cellular, cellular devices where they can, not everyone's on Facebook. So you just don't know about these, these, you know, information. So these pieces of information. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that's sad. I, I'm very grateful to be in a position where my mom, her parents are here, like literally like five minutes from my mom's house. All of her siblings are here except for one aunt who lives in Texas, but she visits often. And like half of my dad's siblings are here. So I don't think they've ever felt, I mean, I'm sure they felt lonely in the beginning, but I think thankfully now they have enough people here where we kind of make our own community. Your village is here. Yeah, my village is here. So... I just can't imagine, you know. Yeah, I I feel that like um the the remnants of my village would be with my cousins, you know I spend a lot of time with them, but they are the family members that are still here in Indiana, and so I am with them almost every week. Yeah. If and even if we don't go, it's that same energy. You know what I mean? So, but touching on what your what you said about your mom's parents and things like that. Um, I know it must be difficult for my parents because they, for like my mom, she didn't get the opportunity to say proper goodbyes to her parents when they passed away in El Salvador. And for my dad, he uh, still, he claims that he has closure on what happened in his situation. Um, Long story short, his dad murdered um, his mom and uh, he says he has closure on it, but reality, you never have closure in that kind of situation. No, that's a lifelong healing process right there. Yeah. And so I just want to say that they are thick skinned for sure. Um, I know it's not something to be proud of, but they are thick skinned for sure. And I'm very positive that they feel lonely at times. Very much. Well, and, the, for sure. and the thick skin can come in handy in certain situations. It's just when it comes to the people who are closest to you is when you have to drop the thick skin and, and be mm-hmm. emotionally available. Yeah, I mean, I mean, regardless, like kind of like how you said earlier, like a disclaimer, like my parents did the best they could. They really did. Like, I don't hold anything against my parents. I don't hold any kind of resentment. 
they truly did the best they could and i am i'm so glad that i'm older and i've realized that and i i you know i mean like i have i lost my train of thought <laughs> i'm older and i realize those things and i and i love that about that and i and i love that they persevered and i'm here as a product of and i i always tell them like everything i do is for them like that may not sound like oh it just sounds like you're doing everything for them and not yourself but in bringing them happiness brings me happiness mm -hmm. oh yeah Jimmy. most definitely i was just i was just gonna say that um i w was telling kelsey earlier this week how i'm i'm certain that it's because it's a result of what's happening in florida uh with migrant workers that we have received an influx of inquiring phone calls from Hispanic people looking for work, looking for jobs. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of unfortunate, like breaks my heart because I'm the only person at my job that knows Spanish. So I'm just the translator. And I've had phone calls where they'll be like, can I go in person and apply? Like, is there someone I can speak to? And I have to tell them like, no, unfortunately you have to apply online. You have to have a resume. Like that's just how it is. And then the next question is like, oh, well, do you, do you require like documentation? Like, do you require social security? And I have to say, yes, like we do. And they're like, oh, come on, please. Can you just please help me? Like, I'm just trying to feed my family. And I'm like, I mm. get that. I'm trying not to like cry, but like, it sucks because you want to help those people, but you just, you, you can't, or, or me specifically, like with my job, I can't specifically help them there, but. Um, and all they're trying to do is provide for their family. That's all they're trying to do. And this is going to be a harsh criticism of our political system here in this country, but I think that uh, both Democrats and Republicans are to blame with these failures. Yeah. Um, and as far as immigration policy is concerned, um, I think that both those parties have been in position of power to where if they needed to fix it, they would. Mm -hmm. But do they truly want to fix it? No. Is it going to make them money? No. Is it going to be for their own self-interest? Absolutely not. So I think there is blame on both of those parties for, and this is going to be a radical thought here, but I think the majority of them are in collusion with each other. It's kind of like a single party state because yep. when, when they want to fix something, they do. Yeah. No problem. They come together. They fly it out. They come together. Oh, we came to an agreement, moderate, blah, 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 blah. No, they don't want to fix it. Yeah, it doesn't matter to them. They only will show up when it's Hispanic Heritage Month or when they want to wear a BLM shirt or when they want to recognize people in the Middle East or when they recognize different communities that are they only show up in spirit, but they don't actually show up for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, folks, you heard it here first about being a child of immigrant parents, being first generation American. Um, we hope you love this. We hope you show some love to our guest, Brian. Mm -hmm. And again, he has some resources that he's going to link below and to in the show notes and the show notes. Um, and yeah, if you relate to any of this stuff, if you want to, you know, have any comments on it, like share, subscribe, follow everything. If you want us to have Brian on again, tell us, or if you hated him, tell us, I mean, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to have him on regardless, I mean... but just tell us your thoughts. If you if you hate it, go for it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if you hate it, tell us. Yeah. Interaction. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. Um. But yes, thank you so much for sticking with us, and we're so glad to be back. We're so happy yes. to be recording on video now. We've got and some fun topics coming up. 
yeah, Brian, is there anything else you want to say? No, yeah, um, we've had ups and downs with the emotions here. Um, I'm just glad that we can get this conversation started. Um, and you guys can follow me on Instagram at the Brian Leonel. Um, yeah, that's my plugin right here. I'll, also, I want to shout out um, my cousins as well with Meraki LLC. Both Louise and Nelson are doing amazing jobs. They have a yeah. clothing brand. Nelson's also your cousin? Yeah. That's I say Nelson like I that's know Louise. him. Nelson is also your cousin? And he goes, yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. Yeah, it's Louise's younger brother. No way! Yeah, yeah. I think I knew that, yeah. Did I know... This has been a long time. It's been okay. 11 years. Okay. All right. We're out. Thank All you. Right. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye.